Hey, this is John Reap from the Country-ish Podcast on the All Things Comedy Network. No sports? No problem. My bookie offers the latest and most popular sport game titles and state-of-the-art software. No need to leave the comfort of your home. It's all at your fingertips. Featuring a truly flawless live casino, complete with professional dealers, as well as a large selection of classic and progressive slots games, plus the greatest selection of video poker variants. They really do offer something for everyone. Take advantage of their daily promotions for the casino, which includes bonuses, cash backs, raffles, free chips, and free spins for you to increase your chances of winning every single day. Also, you can put your skills to the test in their latest free blackjack and slots tournaments, which includes a free 10K prize pool blackjack tournament. Stuck at home? Don't even sweat it. They got you covered. Join now and start winning big today. Sick and tired of getting the runaround when you ask for a payout? My bookie pays fast when you win. With decades of experience, great customer service, and hassle-free transactions, why would you bet anywhere else? Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code ATCCASINO for a 150% bonus on your first deposit. Bet with the biggest, win with the best, only at my bookie. Podcast. Welcome everybody to the What's Up Food Podcast with Felipe Esparza and guest hosting this week, Dustin Ibarra. What's up, guys? All the way from San Antonio, Texas. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's where I was born. You were born in San Antonio? Yeah, dude. At mi tierra, right outside? Oh, I don't speak Spanish. I don't know what you said. No My dad didn't stick around long enough to teach me. The, I know, uh, man. He didn't teach you the basics. <laughs> nah, but I've seen enough movies. I Los hombres también lloran. Oh, see, right there, a, I was like, oh, gosh, what is that? That's a movie I saw when I was a kid. It was The Men, the men Also Cry. Oh, okay. See, I, this comedian here to have a joke. It goes, um, my uncle would always tell me, the men don't cry. Men don't cry. <laughs> but then I saw my uncle crying. I said, but I, I saw you crying last night. <laughs> but if you're going to cry, cry like a man. <laughs> that was Willie Barsena. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better than like a tough crying like gangster dude, man. I know, man. My buddy, the dude that I when I first moved out to Pacoima, he got shot and like we would get all because I'd be we'd be in the garage like smoking and talking. I'd be like, man, I just want to make it in comedy. And he's like, man, I just I just want to kill that fool that did this to me. And I'm like, oh yikes! He was he, shot. Yeah, and because he, he's in a at this point he couldn't walk either. You so. said he was shot by, by where he has his a one eight tattoo, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> he oh. got one of the tattoos. He got oh. it was a food for less, man. You should have him on at some point. He's got a good ass story, but he was a food for less and just like who that food for less in the valley or the one in LA? The one in Pacoima. Oh, in LA, yeah, dude. Every food for less now, I'm like scared. Like, oh my god, some shit could pop off any moment right I now. I know, man. That's when I, I I did a joke where I say that um, I know I'm not a tough guy, but I'm sure that I could beat up everyone who shops at at um Trader Joe's. <laughs> I'll slap you at Whole Foods, but at Food for Less, I shut the hell up. Oh, my God. Dude. I don't mess around yeah. with a big four. 
they don't have aisles there. They have alleys. They do, man. You need a membership. <laughs> they jump you in, eh? <laughs> you don't know who works there, who doesn't work there. You don't work, know even who works there, man. Like, as soon as you walk in there, the, the, the guy is starting bootleg movies. Yeah, and you don't know if it's part of the store or his own You don't thing. even know, man. Like, even the food stands are so close to the to the store, you don't even know where they're at. Oh, man. The, <laughs> when I was living, I was living in downtown LA on Whitmer and First Street or Third Street. I was living on Third Street and... In the hood, bro, right there, right now, across the street from downtown, it's the Miguel Obregón High School. It's on Temple. What street was it on? Temple, I don't know. Lucas and Third. And I used to live in a small apartment full with my lady, and then sometimes her son would show up. And it was small. Like, I would hear fights outside, but I, I had no windows, so I couldn't look out. <laughs> 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 it was sad, dude. I was thrown into the comedy hard times. Dude, oh, the awesome. only way I could listen, I could. I, I had to get on my bathroom sink, and they had a uh, they had a window right there that I would look up, and I could uh-huh. barely see the corner of the of Third and Lucas. It was a little gas station. No, yeah. it was a, a little convenience store and a bar on the side. It was kind of a ghetto. Like, oh, it was like a just, private yeah. bar, bro. A paisa bar. Oh, or... paisa bar? I, no, man, paisa bars. I don't even mess with those. They had a password to get in there, bro. Like, they had a password. Like, in the password was a Mexican song, and you got to know the, la- the, the the next verse, or you can't get in. Like, <laughs> salieron de... You stay quiet. No sé. No puedes entrar. <laughs> San Isidro. Like... Okay, San Isidro. <laughs> That's the name of the song, you know? But uh, it was a... Dude... Yeah. And it was crazy. Like I felt like I was in the, I was living in CNBC lockdown in that house, man. I had no Dude, window. Yeah. The only window I had was on top. So I had to get on top of the, to- the the sink and then look out the window, bro. It's like that movie Cloverfield Lane. You were like in a little bunker down there, a little doomsday prepper place, man. And um, I was stuck there one time because President Obama came to speak at the high school. Mm-hmm. So they closed off the whole block. And nobody can get out. You can walk out, but you can't drive out. Oh, my God. So you're so, stuck? Yeah, so my chick couldn't go to work. Oh, man. See, if I that were an episode of TV, like, it'd be like Obama shows up to your apartment. He's like, hey, you mind if I crash here for a little bit? And you're like, oh, man, Obama's here. This is insane. I saw Her- I came out of my room one time, and I was, like, kind of hung over. And I looked up, opened my window, and I saw Harrison Ford. Nuh-uh. Yeah, they were making a They were filming what? a movie. <laughs> That's what I, you know, it's funny how when you're trying to be a stand-up comic or an artist or trying to be famous, things like that motivate you. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, my God. Yes. Just little things, man. I was in New York one time. I saw Morgan Freeman. I was like, I'm going to make it. I'm like, I'm going to do this damn thing, man. Me too, man. When I saw, I opened my curtains and I felt like a loser, right? And I looked up. I said, oh, shit. Is that fucking Indiana Jones in my house living in the project, in the fucking apartments of doom? Oh, my God. That and had was, to motivate you. He was making a movie, man. I, I think it was called Sideways, the movie. I don't know the name of what movie it was. or I don't know, man. But when I saw him, I said, it's on. Oh, my God. He's this close. Yeah, that's I'm this right close there. to that's... fame. Exactly. It's practically <laughs> knocking at my door. <laughs> Harrison Ford. Hello, hello. It's fame. You want to join us? You want to keep being a loser? <laughs> I want to I wanna join you guys, eh? Yeah, man. 
Man, because they used to film movies in my house, my neighborhood. I grew up in um, the projects, um, mm-hmm. Pico Gardens. But there were a lot of projects. Aliso, Pico Aliso, and then Pico Gardens, then the Sixth Street, and then some other projects started somewhere else. But I never knew those people, you know. Yeah. I just knew where I grew up. And every time they would shoot a movie, I said, oh, shit. Oh, yeah, man. And I remember my friend BB and I, this guy named Ruben Hadegi, they were making a movie in the projects, right outside the projects, a unknown movie. Dude, we were helping the crew all night. Oh, you were just hanging out? Hanging and out, bro. Oh, that's so cool. And they only gave us, they gave us $10 each. What? For oh, the whole day. They probably weren't allowed to do that. That breaks some SAG, like, <laughs> guidelines or something. But the best part was, bro, we got to sit down and kick it inside the security security little booth. Yeah. And that fool had a lot of pornos. No way. Oh, man. How old were you? I was, like, 15, 16 years old. Oh, jeez. That's, like, the perfect. That's, like, treasure, right? That's the whole It's diamond. like a, one of those pornos. They didn't even make pornos like that no more. It was called um, Jugs. Was, oh, it was like, okay, that's awesome, man. So, man, it, it was like, um, and then back then, like when you were a kid, you didn't even know, you, you didn't even question, why are the pages stuck together? No, you're just like, oh, this is weird. This is well, weird, well, man. Is there, a, is there a pop-up show here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I this... remember thinking, I would get, there was this kid in the neighborhood, this older kid, he would give us his porn. He was like in high school, and we would just accept it, and it's like, this is secondhand porn. And who knows who, he probably got it from some other guy, so it's been around these jacked off hands for like three four three four different times is disgusting a guest that we had on the show he also grew up in pico gardens and um his name is ray escalera mm-hmm. and um that fool loaned somebody a porno jose lopez it was a red porno a red tape it was david does dishes <laughs> and and then um and it's funny when it's funny that he knew who saw the porno he looked he walked up to me hey you saw it huh <laughs> and then it's kind of like an old Vietnam vet, right, with a messed up hand. I said, "Damn, man, he must have attacked himself." <laughs> yeah, he saw it. He, he, he saw it do the. I feel bad for the people who never got to enjoy porn, or like people who just have to look at a poster. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, that was me for a long time, man. <laughs> What I you, would look at the ZZZ. I had the ZZZ, the ZZ top cover. You remember that man with the three chicks on it? They were so hot, and that was like my little material for a while. You had to look, you know, the ZZZ members, I mean ZZZ, the ZZ top members were there too, so that was a downside. I know, man. I, you woke up with paper cuts. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> like my mom's like, why do you keep listening to ZZ top? I'm Who's like, scratching I, you at <laughs> night? Freddy Cougar or what? Yeah. Oh, man, that's the worst. You ever been caught by a parent doing that, man? You know, it's sad, man, when your mom finally realizes that you are a pervert. Yeah. I got, like, I don't, I never got caught that I, for, say, you know, per se. I didn't get caught. I know, maybe I didn't get caught. Or maybe kind of your mom ignores shit like that, you know. Because oh, once you put it out in the air, now you're like this pervert. Oh, dude, I wish. My mom was religious. She, like, She caught you? Dude, this was the first day we got internet. The very first day, and I got to have the computer in my room, and she caught me looking at porn, and immediately she was like, Dustin, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm sorry. And then she's like, meet me in the living room. And then we had to talk about it, and she's like, you know, that makes God and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's the worst ever. My mom caught me looking at, um, like, everybody else. You know, like, I, I took a National Geographic home, you oh, know. But just yeah. to look at the photo, those are black, black ladies, you know. And then the one with a disc on their lips. Oh yeah, and they were like watching them. And my mom, she was always getting my mom naked. looked at me like, 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 
¿Te gustan las negras, cabrón? <laughs> I know, enough of that. You like black chicks now? <laughs> now. It's a National Geographic. Maybe I'm trying to educate myself on the world, ma. Listen, they never show, like, savage white women, man, like. Oh, I wish there was I, some little man, island like, out there. I would love to see like savage white chicks, you know, showing their boobs, showing that blonde fur. Oh, you should go to an ass. Oh, I got race. to see what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that happens all the time out there, man. You should go to Daytona. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. It'd be insane. They should have a film crew down there in National Daytona <laughs> gone wild. <laughs> this chick didn't even get to ride a motorcycle. All she did was get naked. <laughs> they tricked her with a motorcycle. I know South Padre Island. <laughs> you ever did that spot. stuff? Spring break? I did, did no. you go to college or you didn't get to no? Do I that? didn't go to college, oh. and I was a nerd too, so it was a double. If I showed up there and be like, "What is the guy doing here?" I went I, there for a gig one time. That's all. I never got to do like places like that. Like nobody ever. I, went, I never went to Ensenada with anybody or Rosarito to have fun. I was never invited. You know. Yeah. I was never part of that crew. Well, everybody Crap. went to have fun. I stood home in my neighborhood. By myself with the other people who didn't go, just doing drugs. <laughs> How was Rosarito? I don't know, bro. I was on PCP all night. I took yeah. over my own trip. Yeah, exactly. Or to first playground and second playground, 9,000 times. <laughs> what am I going to tell you? Yeah, screw those guys. And then we got to do fun stuff like that. Like People tell me, oh, man, we went to Rosarito, man. There was chicks. There was hookers. And I'm more like, oh, man, what you do? Oh, man. I went to the back of Aliso Projects. <laughs> and I smell the pickle factory. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. We got to break into my uh, grand my friend's grandfather's house. I don't know. <laughs> I used to know some dude and that dude used to always break into his grandfather's house. Oh, that's funny, with a friend. Oh, like he always God. break into like you know his father goes to the hospital or, or a or a place and he'll leave the door open and he'll go in there. And it'll taste shit. Like, like $20. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Just enough to buy like a torta and a yeah. orange soda. Yeah, yeah. That was my thing back then. Orange soda, ham sandwich with chips inside of it. Oh, I love putting chips inside sandwiches. I love sticking food inside other food. Jeez, man. Me too, man. Like, I, I think if I would have had a restaurant, it would be like Subway's. But instead of um having like, uh, you want extra pickles? I'll be like, you want um Doritos, Lay's, or... um. Or um, hot Cheetos on your sandwich. Oh, yeah, dude. There should be a place like that. We know how you want it. <laughs> it should be called Fatties or something like that. We know how you want it. It should be called Gordos. Gordos. That's... <laughs> sir, what do you want, sir? Just think about it, fat ass. What do you want? <laughs> I already know what you want just by looking at you. <laughs> the rest of it should be called, what you want, you fat ass? <laughs> what you want, fat ass? I love it. We should go on Shark Tank and be like, all right, listen. All right, here we go. Here's our idea. We have little graphs. You know, over 55% of America Loves Cheetos. Yeah. Loves butter. And doesn't give a shit about sugar. Now, imagine combining all those three aspects into one stand. What we Hold have on. Here. Don't stop us yet. Yeah. I know where you think we're going. We're not going yeah. there. Mark Cuban, sit down. Listen. Listen, man. We're thinking you could have this during one of your stands. Listen, man. Like today, when I was driving, I was no Lisa was driving. I was in the sidecar, and uh, I saw. Now they got you know the macaroni and cheese. Yeah. They got fried macaroni and cheese with Cheetos. They do. You know where they have them at, dude? Burger King. 
<laughs> yeah, you know you big motherfucker. Yeah, I do. Because uh, it's so funny. What you want, fat ass? I went there. I know. They already did. They just hand me the, <laughs> the macaroni. Oh, so I was going through so many pages, and I went through Fluffy's page. Check this out, bro. You thought crack was bad. What? Deep fried Big Mac. Oh, man. That's insane. Because that's like, why not just make your own burger and deep fry it? That's like a McDonald's deep frying that. That's like three levels of this shit. I know, man. So that means that when they cut that burger, the middle part, the, the bread that's in the middle must be like a thin wafer now. Yeah, right. It's all fried out. Awesome. Maybe it's crunchy and cracker. <laughs> What do you want, fat ass? <laughs> I walk in there like I go, yeah, man. What do you want? I want a taco, bro. But I just want fried chicken skin in it from <laughs> KFC. <laughs> That's they need to have that in Subway. Jeez, that needs to be one of the little things. <laughs> what do you want, sir? I want just the the, the chicken skin from Pollo Loco. <laughs> oh, dude, there's another restaurant dude. branch off Chicken Skin. Chicken Skin. We have every different chicken skin from every company. Bam, you come here for the chicken skin. My nipples are getting hard thinking about that shit. Oh, my God. What do you want, sir? <laughs> sir, I want the, the, the only the skin of tongue meat. Oh. Ugh. Oh, you got to go to like a... Uh, yeah, sir, we don't sell that uh, shit here, man. That sounds to, healthy. Yeah, by, <laughs> yeah, by Arta Fatties. <laughs> they have it over That's there. That's funny by Arta. That's another place you could get shot. Super A Foods. <laughs> Super, oh, I haven't seen Super A Foods. That's over there, over there by um, by um, San Fernando Road, and that place you could buy raw meat, like not a raw meat, but good meat, like pork already mm-hmm. cooked with a side of tortillas. Oh, like it's already cooked and everything. Yeah, and they I got, like places like the grocery stores that have the dual like. It's uh, always hot in there, huh? Oh yeah, dude. Like they have no you know, AC. You know where it is cold though? Food for less is cold, but that place is hot. As soon as you walk into Food for Less, you see like these giant sodas you never heard of. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's in Spanish. <laughs> it's like they a four a 70, liter. 72 ounce Fanta. <laughs> yeah. It comes with a backpack. Yeah. It's some flavor like pomegranate. Like, what? <laughs> I've never heard of this. Fanta makes a pomegranate. <laughs> What? <laughs> I didn't know they made um French toast Doritos. <laughs> yeah, man. You see things in there like that. Like, man, people don't know about this. M&M candy bar. So I went to Boyle Heights to, um, two days ago. Mm-hmm. I went to the original snow cone factory on 3rd and Lorena. 3rd and Lorena is like the cutoff of East LA and Boyle Heights. It's like the border. People might say, I don't, that's not the border, but trust me, that's the border because once you get to a, Across, they tell you, welcome to East LA. Oh. Dude, I can't believe it, man. Speaking of being fatter, they mm. got fried Oreos there. Three for a dollar. Oh, that is cheap right there. <laughs> I hate that I know the price of fried Oreo to be like, oh, that's a good deal, Felipe. <laughs> you got to jump sick, on that. They have the, the, you know, they have a raspado, like a snow cone, yeah. the size of, of a KFC um, bucket. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's that's like one bag they of ice. They call it the jug. Oh, the super dude. sixty-four ounce snow cone, bro. You got to do that with a date or something, right? I know. Yeah, honey, what you want, fat ass? <laughs> Dudes love. I remember I had a friend, R.I.P. named Ronald Page, and then was Coco, and that used to walk up at his house. Was like the end, you know how there's thin, the, the middle part of ham when you slice it, the good part of the ham, mm-hmm. but then you got the end part. It's like 
hard. Yeah. He used to put mayonnaise over that and walk out eating that motherfucker. The hard part? Oh, gross. <laughs> what well, you are, fat ass. <laughs> oh, man. I so knew, I knew a kid in Texas who would bring his own chicken bones to school and they just suck the marrow out. Yeah. That's pretty gross. Damn, where are they from? I don't know. It's some weird part of Texas. Some hills have eyes type of shit, man. Yeah. Poor guy. I know. Man, that sucks. He's probably just poor. We from New Orleans? Were you into that voodoo shit or what? No, no. Voodoo frightens me. I don't know what's more frightening, the voodoo or the uh, ojo. They should have a fight. Uh, uh, you know what frightens me? Huh. Scientology. Oh, that'll kill all three, man. That's the good thing about that religion is because I'll never. I'm. I know that I'll never have enough money to make it to the top, so I'm never gonna join. No, oh, no way. You would never have. The thing is, we would be like, we'd be, we, if we could give them all our money, they'd probably send us a letter in the mail once a month and like a sticker or something. Like, here's your Scientology bumper sticker. I, I don't need gratification like that from a lot of people, man. I've been in a gang. <laughs> yeah, right? I know what it leads to. Man, they're probably listening right now. I know, right? Before the podcast even goes off, there's someone. Yeah. I know somebody. We're going to get a knock at the door. Sir, I heard you been talking shit. No, man, we're clear, right? <laughs> What's up, food? Dustin Ibarra right here, man. So, man, before we left the show last week, we told you guys that um, we have a we had a meeting. We were, we had a pitch meeting with um three arts, right? Yeah. How did you feel? I felt pretty good. I think uh, some stuff's gonna change. Like I thought, the dude seemed like pretty pumped about it. He's like, pumped, huh? Yeah. So we pitched the meeting, Peter. Um, and Bobby McCannon. No. Bobby McCannon. <laughs> oh, we have a different name for him. Bobby McGee. I know. Bobby Womack. Bobby Womack. <laughs> Bobby, don't come back. Oh, man. <laughs> Bobby Bowman. Bobby Bowman. And Bobby Bowman and Peter Murrieta. Peter Murrieta yeah. was the, the Prince of Waverly. Yeah, Wizards of Waverly. Waverly. Yeah. And the other guy was from the... My name is Earl, and his son in Philadelphia, and I think he rode for King of the Hill. Yeah. So we got those two guys, and we went to the pitch meeting, and they said they shared their stuff. We came in with our stuff, and now the guy from Three Arts gave us notes. So on the notes, we're going to get notes, so we're going to rewrite this pitch. So we got this guy with Three Arts coming in, and hopefully um, we're going to get our, our thing together, and we're going to have another meeting, and then hopefully go to ABC now. Yeah. And then they'll give us more notes. Yeah, and then more notes. And then at the end, we'll both have shaved heads. And yes. <laughs> it'll be a show about brothers <laughs> living in. We're going to wear suits for brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, man. It's going to be like a, a transformation. Like, which one of us is going to be the one that they're going to have to have tell to lose weight and cut hair? Oh, man. It's going to be me. I can already tell. Because you're owning it so much. I'm like on the verge of owning it, but enough where they could be like, okay, too- listen, Dustin, you got to lose weight. Listen, I've been Dustin. told that before by my manager. I saw him one time. He was like, Dustin, you gained like 10 pounds. <laughs> like that was the first thing he said. And I was like, what are it's you It's for her managers, man. They can't get the 10 away from the 10. Everything's 10%. It, it, oh, my God. That's so 10 pounds, you know. Where's my 10%? Where's my commission? 10, 10. You can't lose 15 10. pounds, baby, because, because you know you can't get 50%. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> he gets a percentage of my weight loss. Yeah. I wonder how many times they told people like they were really fucking fat. Listen, man, um, 
I'm pretty sure Barry Katz has told people that, you know, because he knows, listen, man, Barry Katz will tell you like this, listen, there's 10 fat motherfucking actors who are famous. Mm-hmm. These are the people you're going to go up against. And I'm saying, wow, okay, so, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, if they want you, they want you. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And But I get what he's saying about just for networky things. Network is they do want things to be perfect and pristine still. You know what I'm saying? Like they still want it full house a little bit. That's why I don't want to be that actor. You know those actors, bro, that have their haircut just enough to go gangster or just enough to be the, 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 yes. the, the love interest. Yeah, and when you see them in the gangster part, though, you're like, oh, okay, Casanova. You know you're not like that. You ain't like that motherfucker, <laughs> yeah. man. Nobody wears a pink bandana. Yeah, come on. Oh, I, don't you love in movies where they can't, like, reference a gang so they have a color like green or something? Like, oh, it's green versus I know, there's a, 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 a gang called Los Tucanes. <laughs> yeah. The Tucans. And then you're at home going Los Tucanes. That's a fucking band, motherfucker. <laughs> so that way they got to hire people like Juice or people who grew up in a neighborhood to tell them, nah, nah, let this, homie. Yeah. Like, no. It's like this, dog. Bad. They would stab them like that, bro. They would have stabbed them sideways. <laughs> The gangbanger consultant guy. Then people come out of prison and they kill your ass for giving away secrets. Oh, yeah, that's right. You showed them how to stab people, you bastard. You bastard. That's not the way you sharpen a toothpaste or toothbrush. <laughs> oh, man, I got a couple of shout outs here, man. I was going over the, um, I have a shout out here from a guy named something Nieto. He left a message on iTunes this morning. Oh, right. Fuck you. We already give you a shout out, bro. Enough with the shout outs. All right, man. We have an upcoming shows. July 21st to a 23rd. I'll be in Corpus Christi, Texas at Mesquite Street Comedy Club. Three shows are already sold out. Damn, that was fast. So hurry up. Get your tickets. Also, man, West Palm Beach, August 4th through the 7th. At the Improv, August 12th, Tucson, Arizona, at the TCC Music Hall. August 13th, Pueblo, Colorado, Memorial Hall. August 19th and 20th, Chicago, Illinois, at Joe's on Wee Street. Those tickets will sell out. Please hurry and get them. August 26th through the 28th, San Jose Improv. Also, next week, Rodrigo Torres will be back, and we're going to have a live show. So, call in. What's up? You any shows coming up, Dustin? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be at Hyenas in Dallas in August in Plano in September. I don't have the exact dates. Oh, you're a hyena comic. I know. What are you saying? Like, all high and mighty? <laughs> like, the improv's low and like, Ooh. No, because you had told me that um, <laughs> before, you know, comedians from that, they, they grew up or started at the improv, they looked down at hyena comics. They did look down on us. Because we're working. Yeah, we got laughs and shit, man. It was like, oh, what are these guys doing over there? Meanwhile, they got paid more, though, the improv comics. So what's up, fool? Okay, man, enough of us. Enough of us. We have a guest here waiting patiently. And this guy right here, I grew up with his uncle. But I grew up with him in the neighborhood. You know, and um, like uh, like most of your listeners know, you know, I moved out. I went into rehab in 1990 or 91. I was in, um, I was 20-something years old. And that was my, that was the generation that I grew up. When everything was cool in the neighborhood, like we talk about it with um, with um, Paul Hunt, who grew up from Aliso. We talked about how in the 80s, everything was calm in the hood. Everything was happy. Everything was, everybody was having a good time. We were all little kids playing um, Runaway, playing Huevitos and shit. You never played that game, bro? 
It's a nasty game. I'll teach you about it. It's a game where you throw a ball, and if it lands in a hole, and the person who it lands on, that person gets to grab the ho- that that ball and hit somebody. Oh, I hate games like that, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that is not a fat kid game. <laughs> I know, no. bro. All the fat kids lost. Oh yeah, just come off. <laughs> so what's up, fool? We have a guest here, artist and muralist Fabian Devora. Fabian Devora. Fabian, yeah. What's up, Philippe? What's up, bro? Good to see Long you. time no see. Yeah, yeah. So what's up? What's going on? Not much, man. I haven't seen you since you were... The first time... You saw me growing up, and I would see you growing up. But you were a little kid. Yeah, we can hear your name from far. Felipe. <laughs> Felipe. <laughs> I remember that. Everybody to call me like that. Felipe. <laughs> Dude, since, since we were kids, people would try to imitate my voice. That's why Fluffy became famous for it. <laughs> Felipe. Dude, I used to go um, to his... um. Gra- was that your grandfather? Uh, um, Violin's dad? No, my tío Nico. Your tío Nico's house. Dude, the first time, his um his uncle, Nico, was one of the only apartments in the projects that had cable. They had on TV. It was like before cable, it was select TV. And they, they, they showed movies full all day. But you had a little box. It was on Channel 52. It was select TV and on TV. You were a little sperm in your dad's nutsack when I was around. It was like 1970s, <laughs> early oh 80s. God. You were born, what, 79? 86. 86, yeah. yeah. And um, there used to be a box called On TV, and uh, they would show movies. So one night, they were showing The Exorcist. Oh, God. So I went to go watch it at your uncle's house. Me and my brother, Angel, dude, I was scared to walk back home. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> it was dark. It was dark. I was scared, bro. Oh, so man. fucking scared. All those demons out there. Then his uncle had to walk me all the way. He walked me oh. all the way to the Eno's house, and then I I just walked the rest. What? Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> so um, so what, what was life like? What was life for you out there in the projects, man? Because I know I went to rehab in the nineteen nineties, ninety one, ninety two. This was before. Father Greg had um job before he had um I think the beginning of jobs for the future. Yeah, that's right. It was like the beginning of job for the future. Man, I mean I think growing up in the projects it was it was amazing. You know, I I'm lucky to be able to experience the eighties, you know, I got the influx. Get closer. Um I was able to experience the eighties. So for me it was fun to be able to hang out with the floor masters and pop lock and break dance and that's really what I was doing in those projects and the archways, Pico Aliso, Pico Gardens. And, you know, Aliso. And for me, it was cool to even hang out on the rooftops. Remember that? And so there's a lot of fun times there, and there was a lot of tragedy at the same time. It started to get off the hook when the crack cocaine epidemic hit us hard. And um, it was very crucial in those ways where you're, as a child, trying to contain your innocence and shit, but very difficult to do, man. And so I think you've experienced some of that, too. Like me, I never thought that I, too, will get caught by the... The uh, the vacuum, as we call it, sucked in by the gangs and the violence. But for and behold, man, I was one of those dudes that got sucked up by that vacuum myself. But um, for me, I think it's like you. I think for me personally, to for you to be able to acknowledge your gift, you always had that that gift of comedy. You know, always clowning and telling jokes in the in the porches and all that. And that's pretty much what I think held you in such way. You know, and for me, it was the art and growing up. You know, kicking it in the alley river 
perfecting my skills in the form of graffiti art. That was everything that I wanted to do, hanging out with Heaven, Juan Carlos Munoz, kicking it on the rooftops, piecing, you know. But again, the gangs were not allowing that to take place, you know that. And and then, you know, what was really hard was when we used to grow up with these black dudes, right, the African-Americans, <clears throat> then the race wars broke out. And that right there was starting to, that's when it started to get serious, I think. And eventually I had to fall for it and I joined a, a I guess you would say a voyage, you know, and in this case, I ended up falling for the gang culture myself. But again, you know, thank God for art. For me, I discovered it at a young age. And so I just held on to that gift, man. And I think that's what kind of kept me sane and also gave me some kind of hope and a pathway, you know, until I became a drug addict myself. But that's another story. You can probe some questions, man, so I can um, get into it. Yeah. Fabian, Fabian, the first time... I was um I, I I I heard about you that you were doing awesome was um I think I picked up an Alley Weekly or the Downtown LA magazine and you were in the front cover. Yes, I did come out in the Alley Weekly. Um, and I was like, damn! I was yeah. very proud, by the way. Thank it you. gave me the chills, and I was very happy for you because I I knew that you had a drug problem because my brother Angel told me right that for the mean crack here too. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't know it because I said, "No, man, he's so little. He, he no drug problem." Yeah, right. You still remember me? How I was little Flavis. You know, little they, Flavis, man. They used to call me like little your little Flavis. brother, bro. Dario, yeah, Dario. And he's doing okay now too. He's into the uh, rap, rap and music, hip hop, film, and so he's doing okay. But yeah, man, I made the LA Weekly um, after my long journey and the drug addiction. You know, of course, what led me to get back to clean and to become clean and sober was a suicide attempt. I tried to commit suicide twice. I remember the first one I slid my wrist. You know, I just could not live with the fact that I was causing hurt to my children, my loved ones, especially my jefita, my mom, my mom, my mom. She dealt with my jefito, who was a heroin addict for like 25 years, shorty, el shorty. So he was struggling. And so it was very hard for me to watch mom as a single mom struggle and shit. So I could not deal with that. So I guess the best coping mechanism was drugs and i fell for methamphetamine and methamphetamine ain't no joke man you start seeing fucking martians and you feel like cameras are coming underneath your fucking doorstep and they're out to get me and all that paranoia oh, wickedness man. you know see i want to get famous i'd be like bring the cameras <laughs> ready for my close up. <laughs> yeah and so eventually i ran across the freeway man and i i was hoping that a truck can take me out of my misery bro and i think god had a bigger plan and thank god for that because now today i'm able to reclaim what's mine and in this case the gift of art and that shit has helped me. And so how I made the LA Weekly is because it's important for me as a community member to be able to utilize my skill, my gift, and understand that there's still a lot of youngsters out there who are experiencing the same upbringing that we had probably at one point. So for me, it's important that I give access. Now that I've gained access, I give access and try to meet the little youth where they're at and hopefully give them an arena where they can come and explore and experiment whatever the gift of art may be with the hopes that they can reimagine something, right? And that's what held me and has helped me. And now I'm being successful in the art world. I'm an emerging artist and now starting to become a little more stabilized. And I'm now rolling with the big dogs and playing with uh, artists who are now prominent. And so for me, you know, that to me is big. You know, it makes mama smile. And I knew that all those times that I was getting kicked out of Dolores Mission Catholic School for writing on the walls or not doing my schoolwork and Holland back junior high, destroying the shit out of the school and Roosevelt and Belvedere and Stevenson. I went through all the schools. So I used to bomb on all the desks and tag the whole, the whole hallways. 
I knew I was going to pay off one day and shit. The teacher's going to see it, <laughs> but I knew I did. <laughs> what was your tagging name? Spade. Spade, that's Spade right. One. Spade one. And then you renamed me to Fabian Almost. Remember that? Yeah. I remember that shit. You call me Fabian Almost. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, man, that's where I'm at today, man. And uh, I say in November, man, I'm going to be in an exhibit at the Alley Louver in uh, Venice Beach, uh, along with uh, Gajin Fujita and uh, Retna. And a couple other well, yeah, a couple other well-known artists. We're gonna have an exhibit opening in November at the Alley Louver. I uh, will be at the Tag Gallery as well in December, and that's in the West Side, right there at the Bergamon Station. So I'll have a solo show there. So now a lot of people from the West Side trying to make it to the East Side, and now we got the East Side trying to make it to the West Side. It's kind of confusing the shit out of me, but that's it's a trip. It's now it's happening for me. It's like finally, you know, I crossed that Fourth Street. First Street and Sixth Street Bridge to a bigger arena, and I think that's always the the symbol the symbolism of those bridges have always been for me. And the East Side looking over to the big, you know, skyline downtown. downtown, and now I'm there, you know. So I think that's symbolism for me. A lot of people growing up in the where we, where we grew up, they never saw past the one on one North, huh? Yeah, it was very difficult. You, like, they, like I try to invite. I did a show with Father Greg Boyer one time at his, the the at the place. And I, I try to invite some of the homies. And he goes, I told one of the guys, so where the, where the Laugh Factory? It's over there, bro. You guys hit the 101 North. Fuck, I don't know shit about the 101 North. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Some of us get constrained by our four-block radius, man. And I think you were, you know, now that I've been in recovery and, and clean and sober, man, there's a big-ass world out there, bro. Big. Big. And it's amazing. And that's all I'm trying to do is uh, allow the homeboys and homegirls who are struggling to expand their horizons, brother, because there's, like, so many places I've been to already, you know, um, internationally, you know, experiencing all Latino America. You know, it's a trip because I always say to myself, I go, man, I'm from Mexico, and I have never been to El DF. But you got my ass in Barbados, you got my ass in Jamaica, you got my ass in Australia, but I still can't make it to El DF. Ain't that about a trip, right? And so, but it's a trip because a lot of these same issues are happening in other countries, you know. And for me, it's it's, it's a sight to see, man. And I'm blessed for that. You did a mural in Italy too, right? Yeah, this was in 1994 when I was still messing around a little bit. Father Gray gave me an opportunity to go to Italia and I represented LA and I did a mural. So you were off and on. I was so off you, and so you on. Because you were like, you you were off the drugs. I remember when I read the article, you got off, you were doing awesome, and then something happened, and so, you fell off. What happened when you fell well, off? Well, so in 1994, I decided to walk away from the neighborhood, you know, and that was not an easy thing to do. Um, you know, of course, it comes with all kinds of name calling, you know. You got jumped out? Yeah, I got jumped out, literally, in the back on Fish Street in the back. I got jumped out, but thanks God to my cousin, he was able to kind of see me through that. Although when I got jumped out, I needed to replace that void, and drugs was the thing. 1994, then I decided to go work with the East Los Streetscapers, which is Wayne Healy and David Botteo, who took me into their studios. And that's when I said, damn, big-ass murals, right? But eventually I couldn't deal with that shit that I was encountered with, you know, the fact that my jefito was still a heroin addict. I lost him. All that was painful, so... I fell back into the mist of drugs. And then I, I kept going in and out of it. But now in nineteen in 2006, when I tried to commit suicide, that's when my whole life changed. I've been clean now 10 years. I, I'm coming up on a decade clean and sober. And now I've embraced my gift, and no one's going to take that shit from me but me. And in this case, that ain't going to happen. 
Now that I have children, and it's important that I break that cycle, bro, because the last thing I want them to experience is all that shit that we experienced growing up in the housing projects. Punked, bully, race force, violence. To me, that was not good, homie. And I think for me now, I try to signify to the world that change is possible. It doesn't matter if I was a gang member, drug addict, or a person who comes from violence. Watch out. My gift would show you the truth of who I am. And in this case, now you got to see me. Pretty much point blank. That's how I, I, that's my drive on a daily basis. It's a big responsibility, Felipe. It's not just about me. I know that I have little kids and people watching. I become a role model. So I got to walk that line, you know, and oh, inspire man. them and show them because si se puede. I also painted a mural at the LAX airport. I have a mural on Terminal 4 American Airlines. It's at Homeboy's uh, Bakery and Diner located in there in the ceiling. I seen it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Oh, and, man. And currently, I'm working on a 98-foot-wide mural on Whittier Boulevard in Bonnie Beach, and it's at a apartment complex, and this mural is going to be a sick one. I utilized my sister, Wendy, and her child as to uh, represent La Reina de Los Angeles. So it's a very big mural. It's in, it's, in, it's in this process. I'm there every Saturday and, and Sunday. If you want to bring me a cold-ass thing of water, if I'm bringing some tacos, I'll be right there willing to receive, man. <laughs> <laughs> and where's that at right now? It's on Waiter Boulevard in Bonnie Beach and East LA, a little past the Indiana border, I guess, Lorena border, yeah. Lorena, I keep messing up. <laughs> You're right, it's Lorena. Sometimes I say Indiana. <laughs> no, you, you, said, you said Lorena, I said Indiana. Yeah, okay. It's all the same. It's in the east of the river. Anyways. Because depending on what street you're at. Wow. <laughs> Do you ever put like hidden things in your murals? Yeah, not. It depends on the contractor and who I'm doing it for. You know, it's yeah. almost like the same thing you probably guys experience when you're creating art for like the city of Los Angeles. They want to sensitize what goes up on the wall. And to me, that's not an artist's point of view. You get me what yeah, I'm saying? You know what I would do? Yeah. I would just show them the little mermaid cover that had the dick in the background. <laughs> I'd be like, what do you call this? This is Disney. I can't put my little hidden thing in there, but they can put a dick on here. Yeah, I hear you. I've seen some of those subliminal messages on those cartoons, but, you know, it Dude, every, Disney loves that. doing that, man. <laughs> the Lion King, uh, whenever the leaves go out, they yeah. spell the word sex, those yeah, perverted man. animators. Ah, uh, man, I must be stupid. I missed all the subliminals. Are you serious? <laughs> Dude, they're everywhere, man. Yeah. You were stuck on the red tape, remember? <laughs> no, man. I, I'm the You're people that Disney face. looks out for, bro. The person who's going to wake up during a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, buy me that. <laughs> yeah, man. So you know, oh man, imagine, bro. Everywhere you went, imagine if everywhere you went, everybody had the mind of Disney. Like you walk out of the restroom, you take a shit. There's a merch table right there waiting. Oh my god, yeah. Did you? Yeah, little souvenirs <laughs> from your shitting. Experience. You walk out of here. There's somebody trying to sell your podcast shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost love that, too, about Disneyland, man. Universal Studios, too. As soon as you jump out of any ride, yeah. welcome. Buy something. Mm -hmm. I just look around. I'll wear the things. I'll play with a lightsaber, but I'll put it back. My dad would probably would have put these blinders on me when I was a kid. I wouldn't ask for shit. Even though I never got it, but I would still ask. <laughs> <laughs> no pidas nada, cabrón. <laughs> Algo. You, when you, you and mom would ever tell you that? When we get there, you're not, don't ask for shit. Oh, yeah. You're telling me. Why don't you just tell me you're not going to buy shit? That way I won't ask. <laughs> yeah, just say we're fucking poor, Mom. Come on. Oh, man. So how bad was it for you, man? Because I know when I was out there, man, I had to go, bro. I had to get the fuck out of the projects. Because, man, I was like, I, I left before shit got really bad. 
I left when um, everybody was still getting along. You know, there was no mm -hmm. beefs. There was no beefs. But I heard the beef got bad, huh? It really, it really did get bad amongst everyone there. And, and it was drugs, right? It was yeah. too much money. I, I would think the money caused division. And uh, amongst even people like us that grew up together, now we're like really seeing eye to eye behind the barrio or the place you stand or what side of the projects you're at. And that was also tormenting, I would think, because here we are, people who grew up together, first playground, second mm -hmm. playground, Aliso, playing football in Pecan Park. And, um, now we can't see eye to eye, which just doesn't make any sense. But again, you know, it got rough, and thank God uh, at the time they broke down the projects. Remember that? And you so there when they broke it down? So my jefita, my mother had moved up to uh, Gage and uh, Cesar Chavez prior to the projects being broken up uh, when they start tearing them down. And so I was in juvenile hall, so I came out to a new location, which was Gage and, and Hamill. And uh, so I didn't experience that part, but it was rough. I think, uh, you know, my cousin, who was caught up in that, too, I think it was rough for him. But thank God that uh, we were able to see it through. Not a lot of the homeboys that we grew up with did. And I think that's why we're so much fortunate and blessed, you know? Yeah, it's really tragic in L.A., man. Like, just how many stories you hear from people are like, like my, okay, for example, that dude who I moved in with in Pacoima, he showed me his, uh, like, yearbook from, like, middle school or something, or elementary. And he's like, all the pages, like, yeah, that fool got shot. That fool got shot. That fool's dead. That fool. Everything. It's such a tragic story, man. Like it's like, oh my god, I can't believe this happened, dude. Right. I know, man. Like if 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 Fabian were to show you his little league photo, it'll be the same thing. Yeah, that's right. And there's some people there it's that sad, I sad, bro. Yeah, it's a trip, dude. I can't yeah. believe it. It's like, whoa, like, this was you happening. At, you, when you look at the little league photo, when you're a little kid, all you saw was that guy could pitch. Right. When a little kid, this guy could, could play baseball. Or like when I was a kid from a, the Pride, Aliso Village, Ruben Molina from East LA, with the best pitcher, the best player. This guy was like the Mexican Bo Jackson, bro. Mm -hmm. But now you grow up, I don't even know where he is. But yeah. to us, he's still a little legend. Right. Cause you grew, you knew of that guy, right? Yeah, well, I've, I've seen uh, many, like the other guy, David, that used to play Isaiah, football. right? Isaiah, man, and he was a great football player and all that. And look, you know, tragedy kicks in, and there was a lot of greats, a lot of individuals who had all this great, uh, a great chance at opportunity, whatever that looks like. And um, but no, you know, we got sucked up. How come? It, how come it takes people like us, not us, people from the inner city, people who grew up in the projects or in bad neighborhoods or in trailer parks? How come it takes us so long to realize what we're good at? I guess because of all the trauma. I think trauma is one of them and what we've been told. And I think the environment it itself. It is cholo, mijo. Yeah, eso. Or también, hijo, to, all these beautiful names in Spanish. All those beautiful names in Spanish, you know, you know. And not only that, but again, you know, you, you can't even, even when you step out in the projects, you look around and you see, uh, even when you step out into the projects, you look around and look what you see, you know. So, like, what hopes do I have, in a sense, you know. And it's not, it takes someone to really guide you and hold you and embrace you and remind you of how how great you can be or are, at least. Because we don't believe that shit, you know? Otherwise, other people have been telling us otherwise, you know? And all the homies we kick it with, they're all contributing to the same type of behavior. So it's like, fuck it. I guess this is it, you know? But I think it's trauma, homie. I remember um, there used to be a guy that passed away, um, Marlon, flu. Yes. I remember we were hanging out one night, and um, this fool told me, he wanted to be a stunt man. 
And he used to do stunts in the projects. I remember he used to jump fences, no hands, and no and he, no he, he could have done that. He could have done that. Yeah. And I told him, man, I, I, really, I laughed and I said, me, yeah, homie, but um, you, you used to be throwing the cars on purpose. <laughs> yeah, he, he used to do some great stunts. I've seen him in Remember action. Remember, he used to get on top of the car while the car was still moving. Oh, yeah. He'd be on top of it like this, going around the project, but he's just uh. on top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it feels like like we we just didn't grow up with pe- enough people who were stuntmen to say, hey, hey, Marlon, I know a, I know a place, homie. Right. You know, I know a place. Was that, that was his name, Marlon? Marlon, yeah. I know a place, homie. If I could connect you with this guy. Or maybe there wasn't enough time, you know, because a lot of the homies end up being in movies too. Yeah, yep, they did. And I think in those times there was not not many um, resources. I yeah. think, and also not not a lot of belief that a lot of these homeboys can turn their lives around. But unlike Father Greg Boyle, who you know very well, he came with a whole different idea, which was great because now he's given that opportunity to be able to say i'll hook you up here i'll hook you up there fabian's a great artist go meet so-and-so and now the doors have opened even wider but it takes sometimes just that one dude you know and it's a trip because no one expect for it to be father greg i know the white dude you know but what led you to father greg i've known father greg well, I, I had no i had uh i lived uh five houses down from the lord's mission i remember um the old lady we used to call her uh doña concha Doña Concha. Yeah, the one that lived in the little house next to the church, smoking, puffing, puffing away. Anyways, I lived, she was practically my neighbor. Doña, no, Chongos, Doña Chongos. There was Doña Chongos. Anyways, I lived five houses down for the church, and I remember to see Father Greg come to the projects in 86. And so I saw the man in the beach cruiser. And so I already had made relationship. I got kicked out of Dolores' mission because I threw a desk at a teacher for ripping my artwork in eighth grade. And they walked my ass over to Father Greg and shit. And I remember Father Greg's like, what happened, son? I go, well, this fool ripped my artwork, G. No one's going to take that from me but me. And then he goes, damn, son. I'm not going to keep you at Dolores Mission. I got no power like that. You're going to go to public school, which I call the lion's den. And then he goes, but before you leave, son, I want you to do something for me. I go, what's that, Father Greg? I want you to go home and draw me something. I was like, what the fuck? For the very first time, I wasn't being punished and penalized for what I love to do. Yet he saw my gift, my strength, and he returned it back to me. And that was key right there, man, because from that point on, he made me believe in self. Although I had to go on my journey, go bump my head a couple times, go, you know, get caught up, incarcerated, all that. It took, I took the long road. But I knew that inside me, I always had this gift. And that's what saw me back. What brought me back to Father Greg was that. You have a drug problem, son. Hey, G, no, I don't, G. You have a drug problem, son. Just hire me, G. I will not hire you until you deal with your drug problem. So finally, I decided to go to rehab after the suicide attempt, and I knew exactly what Father Greg said to me, and I came back, and now I play a major role in Homeboy Industries now. I'm one of the leaders there and part of the leadership team, and yeah, Father Greg, he became a father figure to me, man, and to many, I think. I remember when, um, before you, before you, um, I guess... You were painting and you were still using, huh? Yes. I, and you were skinny at I one time. I out the game, bro. I don't know, man. You were <laughs> fucking skinny. I said, this fool looks, as, he's as skinny as a paintbrush. Yeah, man. I was gone. I mean, you you were getting paid too, right? Well, yeah, but uh, where was it going? <laughs> yeah. You were like Crucito, bro. Yeah, blood that's what blood they out. call me. The modern day Crucito. Shut up. They're Every, calling you that? Everybody does. You remind me of Crucito, Holmes. From blood and blood yeah, out. Yeah, you remind me of Crucito. I go, hey, homie. 
I, 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 I don't remind you of Crucito. It's the opposite. They took my story and made it Crucito. What the fuck? <laughs> I had that script long time ago. You know what I mean? Anyway, so that's what was happening. And, uh, and, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. But I'm just glad I'm clean and sober now. Yeah. So what happened, um, um, was it two years ago when, um, you were, you, you were in the other homie where, um, trying to get into Canada and they detained you guys? Oh, hell yeah. That's fucking We always talk about Canada over here because that's the toughest place to get in. Yeah. I, I couldn't get in. I, I, they held me for three hours. Are you serious? Yeah, because they asked me, "You ever been arrested?" You know, you know. To me, being arrested means you were charged and you mm-hmm. did time. Right. So that's why I know arrest. Being arrested is when they arrest you, they took you to jail. You went to court and they kept you. That's how I, I, I what I mean when when somebody asked me if I was arrested. Mm-hmm. So if somebody asked me, "You were arrested?" I always say no. Because I never went through the whole process. <laughs> I was never charged. Yeah. You know, I was never indicted. Yeah. You know, I was nominated for an Oscar, but I didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when they looked it up, and it was, man, it, you know, they found that I was arrested for an ounce and a half of crack. But I was released the next day. DA reject, baby. <laughs> You know, but Those it still counts. Yeah, it's on the record, huh? Yeah, so we went to go do a talk with Father Greg, and we head out, me and my friend uh, Louis Perez, who's part of the Homeboy Industries as well. So we're making way to Canada, and Father Greg, I remember, he stops. He goes, just follow my lead, son. Okay, gee, we got this. So we get there, and, you know, of course, Father Greg, tall, white man, you know, no record, no track record, nada. So he goes, we're here for a gang conference. They look at his passport. He says, oh, come on through. And then so follow my lead, right? So here we come, thinking we're all good uh, we're here for a, con- camp, a gang conference, and they're like, okay, why don't you follow the red line? We're like, what the fuck? Father Greg goes down one way, <laughs> and, like, and then she's like, what's going on? So they take me and my friend to the back, and now they're like, I had a jacket on, and these dudes are reading all my tattoos. I mean, I didn't even take off my shirt when the dude's in front of the computer, and he's like, oh, Mr. Deborah, so you have a tattoo on your stomach? I go, yes. Do you have another gang-related tattoo on your back? I go, yes. And he's just starting to profile me through the computer. So he goes, you know what? We don't accept individuals like you in my country i said okay what? and so i said all right you're a criminal you have all kinds of record whatever so now we're sitting in the in the canada me and my buddy and then finally man it's a trip because they don't know who i truly was about this time i had already a good track record and so the vato calls me up to the computer and he goes you know mr fabian so what do you do in your community well, who are you i said well look check it out why don't you google me fool and so he googles me oh you're an artist and i go yeah not only that i'm a father of five and I also work hard to give back to my community. And then I start, he starts seeing all the stuff that I got on record. And then he says, damn. He goes, wow, I'm, I'm saddened at the fact that I made this decision. He goes, let me call my supervisor. And then the supervisor comes and he goes, all right, you've been here long enough. So they wanted to send us back to the United States, right? So he goes, uh, he goes so the supervisor goes, well, you guys have been here long enough. Let me grant you a wish. And I say, okay, what would that be? And he goes, well, you're not going to let me in Canada. So that goes that fucking waste, right? And I threw that out the window. And then he goes, but you know what? We had not had a cigarette in about eight hours since we've been here. And so he goes, all right. So he take us to the restroom, the employee restroom in the airport. And me and my homie are just puffing away through the little vent and shit. And we're sending flicas to Father Greg like, look, gee. He goes, what are you guys doing, son? I go, oh, nah, these vatos let us smoke in their baño, right? And so the end and the moral of the story is that Father Greg said, your job was not to go to Canada to, to share your story with them. Your job was to stay here so that you can better inform these officials that once they get to know you, they can no longer demonize you. That was your job, son. 
Then they shot us back to New York City. We had to wait for Father Gray for two days. What a punishment, right? It was cool. We were kicking it, cruising up and down New York and waiting for Father Greg, man. So that was the moral of the story. But, you know, a trip out because here you got fucking Justin Bieber doing his running amok and messing around. But that fool can kick it here. But Dude, fools like yeah. us and shit, they, they, they block us immediately. They man. had a mayor who was a crackhead. <laughs> Rob <laughs> Ford, remember? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's a, I always say that. It trips me out. I go, that fool got it made. <laughs> Next time I say I'm, I'm here with Russell Peters And I'm going to do a mural in his house Oh yeah ma'am Oh yeah There's a Russell Peters The comedian And that's the guy That I told the agent I'm working with You know, Oh you know Russell Peters Because he's a famous comedian mm-hmm. over there. And he goes So I still have to wait And then I He said but you Say it again Were you ever arrested <laughs> And I said yeah Okay I was 91, 92, 90 And he came out and Then he let me in Oh, right. that's cool. That's cool. At least you got in, bro. But I wonder if what would happen if I had tattoos all over my arms. They wouldn't let you in, man. <laughs> you should have told him I'm a hell's angel, man. I'm here. <laughs> I'm part of the Quebec chapter. <laughs> <laughs> the Quebec chapter. <laughs> yeah, man. So what? Um, when did you when did you first start when you realized like, wow, man? Like, do you ever? I see your po- photos and they're kind of like, I wonder what he's. He's thinking the same thing I'm thinking when I show up to a new place and I'm by myself and I look around and I go, wow, I can't believe I'm here. Yeah, man, all the time, you know, when I when I travel, especially, you know, it's it's like I'm I'm like the scout for my family. Right. Because I travel many places and I just sit there and dream. I say one day I'll bring my family up here, you know, and it feels great. And there's times when it hits you, you know, like, God damn, man, I'm blessed. And you know what it is? At one time, I remember sitting in my studio in downtown L.A. And thanks to I got a good machado, Latino Producers Action Network, El Pan. They're my patrons, and they've recognized my talent. And so they give me a studio space in downtown L.A. I've been there now for about eight years. And one day I'm sitting in the studio, and I remember painting away. And I, I don't know, it just dawned on to me. I sit there, homes, and I look around, and I say, damn, I've arrived. Something that I've envisioned since a child. But then I said, but what's the difference between me and why not the rest of them, like Marlon? Like all the other people who have passed away in the projects, I'm saying, why me, though? Now I'm feeling guilty at the fact that I've gained all this shit. And so then Father Greg tells me, look, son, the difference between you and them is that you've decided to turn your life around. And everything you got, you deserve. And some. So don't you ever feel guilty about what it is you've accomplished. And it's not to judge be judgmental on the others it's just what you decided to do and so yeah bro it's like, it's amazing you know I, I know how to adjust too like in this game you got to learn how to become uh, social right like you know one minute i'm like yes sir I, for, how can i help you I, I will assist you in this best way that i can and, and, and the conversations change you, yeah. you put on all these different hats huh yeah therefore i must therefore i should and then you go back to like the water shit. And then you're like, oh, no, it's for sure. Uh, you know, it is important that we, <laughs> so yeah. you got to yeah. play that game in, in this mix, you know, and as, so to progress, you know. And I mean, I, I, I too, I have my own little way of getting by, but it's, it's cool, man. I'm, I'm, it is. It does feel that way, dog. You know? It feels weird. Like, I know how you feel because when I was in Amsterdam, I was in, I did a show in Rotterdam. It was like, um, like a show that, like Letterman in mm-hmm. Rotterdam, it was all in Dutch language. Mm-hmm. But when they introduced me, I, I did my show in English. And right after the show, man, I went outside and I was by myself, you know, and I was like, I got really sad, bro. 
like oh, really? sad, like happy, like he said. But then the other part started cooking in. Why not my other friends? Why can't they do it? But I, I didn't have like what now I'm going to use what Father Greg told him because you decided to change. I was up there, man. I remember I started like going, get all sad. Then I was like, <laughs> started, started like weeping slowly. <laughs> oh, then I, but um, then I just said, fuck this. Eh? It's fu- I went to go get fucked up right away. Instead of yeah. like enjoying the moment, you know, I, I felt like um, I, I had the mentality that I have to destroy myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's weird how it went from this happy high. You deserve to be here. You know, then I just started thinking about sad stuff. Then, then I, then I started to like, I, I started like getting sad, and I pretty much wrecked myself that night. How was that, the show? That, uh, I killed it, bro. Oh, okay. I, it was awesome. It was so. It was. I was all high, but oh, the yeah. next day I woke up feeling like shit, bro. And I felt like, and I was always confused. Bit I was always confused with um. I should feel like shit more often. That's the way my life is. I shouldn't be happy. You ever felt that way? Yeah, well, like, I, you would accept sadness better than you do happiness. Don't that's you? What, yeah, that that that's the tricky part because that's what we get so accustomed to. But no, it has to be the opposite shit. We do deserve what we got coming in this way, you know, in the positive side. And it happens. And that's where you got to be careful because we tend to sabotage ourselves because yes. those thoughts come. Why is that? As we, do you ever sabotage yourself after a good time? Not. Not anymore, and thank God. But in 94? Oh, yeah. Well, that's first? why I kept falling and trembling. Oh, and cr- oh you got this. And I, I used to work for Seven Level Animation Company, bro. And ever since I was a kid, because of these cartoons, and not because of the subliminal messages and shit. <laughs> I just love the cartoons. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Popeye and, and Tom and Jerry and things in that way. And I said, one day I'm going to f- draw some of these cartoons. And guess what? I got an opportunity to work for Seven Level Animation Company. And now I'm working in the animation field. And I could not. I was making $800 a week you know and that time it was like the 90s so that was good pay you know yeah. and i'm doing oh, stuff yeah oh, i was funny. working and and guess what i just didn't feel that i deserved this and i went back out i would come drunk at one point they they fi- they gave me so many chances but i would drink the pisto they, they'll have the lunchroom so i'll go to the lunchroom get the budweiser drink it in the baño smash the can hide it underneath the toilet paper and then go back to my drawing table no, no, no. <laughs> and finally they caught up they say excuse me are you drinking all the beer in the lunchroom i said no I, well it seems to me like you are i think you are so they eventually they fired me and, and that's what happens bro like right there that could have been it for me it would have been like my entry point to a big better place but again maybe that was the taste and the glimpse of it so that when it does happen, I can embrace it. You Man, know what I, mean? I would have been like, dude, I'm, draw- I'm drawing Tom and Jerry all day. Let me drink. <laughs> Jeez, come on. Chill out. Yeah, what, you guys don't sure. drink? Yeah, so I lost that great opportunity, and I was kicking myself in the ass. And guess what? How do you, we deal with it? Go back out and smoke another fat-ass P-Dog at the time. And oh, yeah. P-Dog? Yeah, well, that was Primo. Mar- Primo. Oh, it's, okay. It's marijuana was sprinkled with crack on top. Oh, okay. P-Dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, Sonic, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man but pretty addicting too the many opportunities that i threw under the i just threw away because of that and i couldn't de- i didn't feel deserving enough but today man I, i'm grateful for my resiliency and that i'm a stronger individual and now i'm looking and seeking for more opportunities i feel lucky now that you're yeah. talking man because now i'm thinking about like times when um i've heard people say about people i know or people i don't know that fool has so many opportunities and he keeps fucking them up what the fuck is wrong with him and then what the fuck this guy had this he, had, he fucked it all up again 
then I'm thinking to myself, wait, 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 wait. I'm that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, you haven't fucked anything out though, too. Like, no, I you know, used to. I, don't I, get, worry, I heard yeah. you did. Yeah. <laughs> I but think now, you told me you did. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes those things had to happen, man, so that we can really embrace what we got today. You know, we never know, right? And I lost, I fucked a lot of things up all the time. And my mom, I, Fabian. Ay, mijo. Hijo, all those beautiful names in Spanish, but constant, constant. But now it's like, shit, I'd be down if I fuck something up, you know? Period. Man, like explain to the people like who don't grew, who didn't grow up in um, our neighborhood. Like there's people here. We have listeners in Ireland. Man, there were a lot of shootings huh, at night, big time, more big. than when we were little kids, huh? Yeah, it felt, it felt like little Kuwait to me, man. We had AK-47s, M1s, 380 Uzis. I mean, these were high artillery, as if some fuck, um, some kind of helicopter came and dumped those artilleries in the projects. And I'm talking about bullets that would pierce through the blocks of the housing projects where families had to put their kids in the shower tubs to sleep at night because they knew what was coming. That's how crucial it was. One time I'm walking down uh, first playground with my cousin Alfredo, you know, Alfred, uh, Chava. And, anyway, so my cousin Alfred, we're walking all cool, you know, we're a little lollipop and stuff. I was still a kid. And all of a sudden you see a gang of black dudes coming in. And big ass rifles, and we start to run. And, and we, I had little, remember the old ass Chinese shoes that we used to wear, all slippery and sliding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to run to my Tianita's house. Yeah, and walk out of there. yeah wow. remember that? And once I got it, right when we made it into the door of my Tianita, you just hear it all let off, man. Like, baby, like you wait, man. It was crazy. It was rough. It was like, nonstop. Holding the rifles all sideways, like in movies and shit. Yeah, man. And you're just waiting for the next day to see who made it and who did not make it because that's uh, when the that news sucks, comes up man. like everybody cool and then you hear the news and it's like damn you know speaking of man, somebody a, a drunk driver ran over some people where I grew up the other night oh, yeah, oh, it just happened, yeah. did you know him? I just saw that I didn't know anybody but oh. I heard it just happened on uh, right down 4th and Glass uh, yeah, 4th and Glass drunk, drunk driver she like run over a bunch of people eating tacos god is there one place to be safe you know what I'm saying? Like one place where shit will not pop off now. And always thought the taco truck was the safest place. <laughs> I know. That's where you go whenever it's like, ah. Yeah. Oh. That's crazy. Meet me at the taco truck. That's our family's doomsday prepping plan. <laughs> I know, man. The taco the truck, man. That's funny, man. There used to be a comedian that he said he was so loaded, so loaded, that he thought he was, he was, he was ordering tacos from a truck, but it was a SWAT van. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious, dude. <laughs> I think it was Gilbert Escobar. I got so loaded. I was I started ordering food. I was ordering food from the SWAT truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So um, so what do you do now? So now um, I decided. When I came back to Homeboy Industries, I decided to uh, go back to school, and I went back to school, and I became a state-certified drug counselor by the Board of California. So today I am the Director of Substance Abuse Services and Programming within Homeboy. I'm also uh, part of the Arts for Incarcerate, Arts for Incarcerate Youth Network which means that we go into the camps, Camp Rocky, Camp Scudder, and different camps, and we do art workshops with the youth in the camps, paint murals, etc. And I'm also... Um, Am I doing my own craft, which is my own art, and just taking care of my family, man? Um, being a father, you know what I mean? Um, trying to replace what was missing in my life. And now I'm just, I've done many great things, and 
I'm just ready to, I'm just right there, man. I'm right there. And I'm always experimenting and exploring how can I crack this shit wide open, you know, because I'm just scratching it. I'm right mm. there. I can see it, just like you say. I feel it. I see it and I taste it. I just need to grab it once and for all. And that's where I'm at right now. And so I was finding different, um, you know, subject matters, right? And where's the best subject matter? I don't need a sketchbook. My sketchbook is Boyle Heights. All I got to do is drive from 4th Street to Lorena and go around City Terry, all those little areas, and I see the mama and the bus stop with her daughter and an elote. That's an image, right? I see the jefita carrying those, dragging her bags. That, to me, that's an image. So that's where I get my my uh, subject matter from Boyle Heights and my surroundings and the people, and constantly that's what I do. And I still go to the Alley River, and I sit there because that, to me, that's my sacred haven. So I go in through the little tunnel, sit there, and I let the thoughts come. And that's how my images come to light, you know. Where did you make your first mural? On First Street? Uh, my first mural ever was on First and, uh, on first and uh, at the Clinica. It was a clinic there. Now it's no longer in existence. They ran the train through Boyle Heights. But there was a first mural in the clinic, one at Dolores Mission. Uh, the clinic right next to the store. Yeah, I remember that? That I was Father Greg Boyle. The... The the one on first and uh, Utah. Yeah, yeah. I, I did the mural there, and they broke that building down. But I've painted some murals, and I've been fortunate to work with some major artists that have guided me, you know, in the art world in such way. I'm a self-taught artist. Like I've never went to school and got a formal education. You know, I was working at Otis for about five years, Otis College of Design, where we come in and talk about identity, culture, religion, and gender. A lot of these kids, privileged kids, no disrespect, but they're privileged, who come there and get all this. Uh, they pay some high money, man, to be part of these for, uh these schools i used to get so upset with them bro i used to be a, a liaison and when i was there i used to tell them i said dude you know what homies out there where i come from will pay to be in your seat right now and you're here just seemingly looking as if you're not even interested in being here dude let me take your seat homie you know but that that used to frustrate me a lot but we will come and educate them because a lot of the times what happens with a lot of these artists from these institutions it is important that we do research on other people's cultures before we even try to portray them and so my job was to come in there and then they say well we need an image of uh of chicano then they go straight to the virgin mary that's Chicano. No, like, oh, hey. see, I was thinking <laughs> Yada. That's what I would have been like, oh, I that, got you. <laughs> and the piñata is a burro, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, the, 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 the big star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, smiley, smiley son. <laughs> and so being at Otis gave me a lot of insight, and it was about teaching them like about the symbolism, right? Like yeah. you can use the Virgin Mary, bro, but that Virgin Mary is a powerful iconography for the Mexican people. You got to be able to portray her in a special way way you know those type of things so yeah. I, I did that and so a lot of the times a lot of these kids who go to these schools which is great no disrespect i wish i can still go back to school a lot of them um i'm already doing what they're going to school for and everything because of uh, being a self-taught artist i'm determined and because of the fact that i align myself properly and i've accomplished a lot of great things you know um different things i've done tattoo designs for uh southland at one point i've done um i've done a little short film a 20 minute short film with usc students that captures my story i've done um many things dude there's countless i have a long as track record of a lot of the great things that i've accomplished and created i even did some uh designs for the movie um that movie that just came out of those kids in up north como se llamaba uh 
Anyways, it's a... No, Jordan Lopez? No, the ones where the kids are track runners, and then they... they oh, Kevin Costner. Kevin uh, Costner, yes. Madeira. McFarlane. 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 I did some designs for the film of McFarlane, and so... You, you auditioned for that? No. I can't run. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm one of those gang member consultants, too. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> where they come in, and you don't want to put that tattoo, Holmes. You don't even know what it means, Dude, dog. Could, doesn't that ruin a scene in a movie whenever you're seeing like, these gangbangers? You're like, that guy's an actor, and he's not, his head's not even shaved. It's like, what's know, going man. on here, yeah. man? You see that troller right there, man? It's for that fucking Popeye hooks tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Anchors. Look at, look at, you're the anchor, bro. <laughs> This motherfucker looks more like a longshoreman. <laughs> He's got a little cigarette on. There's a pirate flag in his arm. Yeah. <laughs> it's we crazy. need a gangster. Huh? <laughs> so, yeah, man. And uh, a lot of good things are happening in my life, man. Bless. That's awesome. That's awesome that you're giving back to the community, yeah, man. It's so, important. It, it seems yeah. like you had a like kind of a tragic story there, but it all, you know, it helps out other people. I didn't really get how much that... How much um, things like that matter until I moved to Pacoima and I, I heard my buddy's story and like just learned about his family, learned about everything and like, oh yeah, that's pretty important. Those the, the churches reaching out and stuff because whenever it, like I grew up in like this place in Texas, it wasn't like crazy at all. You know what I'm saying? So I had a I didn't know my dad, so I had a big brother. I was in the big brother program, so I had a big brother. And it was still like, ah, oh, this is like, I, I would rather be playing my video games. That was so. funny, man. People in my neighborhood were in a Big Brother program, and they had Big Brothers. <laughs> That's insane, dude. It's like, hey, here's a, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna get a volunteer guy to play with you because your older brother's sniffing glue. <laughs> yeah. But that's like so important, man. Like I didn't realize until like you know you see these areas and like God, that's important. Like the community helping out, the kids, no, the no. youth. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of kids out there who are still being impacted and don't have the proper guidance, man. That's what my buddy does now because he's like he found after he got shot. He's like, oh, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna turn over a new leaf. Mm-hmm. So he does the youth ministries and stuff. How do you feel about the change in Boyle Heights? Change for who's better. I know, right? <laughs> so yeah, man, it's a trip because Boyle Heights is just starting to be changed before my eyes, and you know, and you know, on the one hand, it, it's it's the only thing that I stress about about the gentrification, if that's what you call it. But the only thing I stress about is that please don't come and remove mom and pops. You know, they've been working hard. That's their blood, sweat, and tears. Please engage them, include them in your developmental plans because you know what happens is displacement and displacement is what leads to uh, uh outcasts or neglect and then it continues to contribute to all the all the the issues that are already existing within Boyle Heights so how do we better bring them together be part of the development so that is the way everyone takes ownership and it becomes a much better safer place so we don't recreate what will happen in Silver Lake and Echo Park and all those places that have already been. And it's not that I'm not saying they should not come. I think that now as a father who has children, I think change is great. And, 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 but who's, for who's better, right? Because I do want my kids to walk around a safer environment. I want them to go to Mariachi Plaza and not have to worry about looking over their shoulders and so on and so forth. But I just don't like when they come up with a master plan and dis- be dismissive of the voice from within that community. And so for me, that's my take on it. And I've seen there's some great landmarks that that make up Boyle Heights. And let's not lose that. And I think they, uh, not they, but I think that I'm, I'm trying to be part of that of that conversation myself as a person who is a native of Boyle Heights, who've seen the dramatic changes and who are seeing the changes now. But it's important that I my voice is in that in that dialogue because uh, 
we don't want to um, turn it into a set, you know, yeah. where we lose the the historical monuments and also the the culture that's already in existence. Yeah. You know, and then becomes a set. And then it's like you're in Universal Studios and shit. All the little buildings being mm. remodeled. Do you still live there? I still live on Whittier and Lorena, brother, right on the border. I can't border, decide. Bro. I can't decide whether I'm Boyle oh, Heights or East you, LA. <laughs> you're over there by Estrella Tacos. Exactly right. That yeah, you know this good. That's so funny, man. That place is fucking good, <laughs> Dustin. You don't know that place is good. Oh my god. You know what everybody, kind of tacos you know, are Everybody else sells the little the taco with a little tortilla. Yeah, these fools fuck around and sell the big tortilla. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Estrella's been there. You should see. He's getting the little tortilla. That pisses me off, man. He sells the big tortilla and they pour enough guacamole in every taco. Oh, that's awesome. What do you think about their lunch truck? You seen it? See, that's the shit, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Goosebumps, bro. (laughs) You know, sometimes you go to a taco truck stand and the the inside is packed. They have a truck outside for the food that don't want to go inside. See, that is genius right could, there. It's like, what do you want, want fat ass? <laughs> <laughs> Bam, dude. Bro, you could eat inside on the table, or you could just get your taco outside and sit next to a dog with a fucking chain around him. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be around people. <laughs> yeah. 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 That place has been there forever, bro. They, a lot of estrellas try to open up an Eagle Rock, but it's fake. It ain't the real yeah. one. No, well, when Chipotle comes knocking, you guys better not open the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the pushback, right? And then there's a lot of people who are actually, you know, pushing back on what comes into Boyle Heights. And I think that's important, you know, for me. I knew it was over, bro, when they, when they opened up the 7-Eleven. And like that's the beginning, huh? Yeah, as soon as you see like, that. Like, that doesn't really help the neighborhood, man. They helped the more motherfuckers beg. <laughs> Cause for real, man, when you yeah. open, like, when, when I remember I had a joke when they were opening up the downtown Ralphs, cause I was living in downtown where there were no Ralphs, right? When there mm-hmm. was the shit. I was living on First and Main and, um, struggling too. And, um, they opened up that Ralphs and I remember I had a joke. I said, yeah, man, they're opening up a new Ralphs in downtown. Yeah, man, they were, um, they were, um, they were interviewing homeless people to see who's going to get to allow to, to start hanging out in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> But now the fucking homeless people have eight by tens, bro, in downtown LA. Oh man, right. There used to be a guy, a homeless guy called a pirate. Oh yeah. Remember that fool? He passed away. Rick Ricky the pirate, bro. Yeah. Oh, and that sad. fool had a I took photos of him and I printed photos from him and he was selling them. Yeah. Just of him? Like yeah. oh, yeah. that's pretty cool, man. Like he's like a landmark of the town. He was like right. a mascot up and down uh, downtown LA right there doing the R walk and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, you see him selling his just pictures and stuff. Did you um, have your stuff at the Art Walk too? I did initially, you know, but the truth is, uh, for me personally, when I started the Art Walk, it was right at its primes when it first kicked off. So it was, it was more, it was, it was a place to be. Now it's got diluted. Now it's a lot of looky loose. I'd rather just kick mm-hmm. back and keep painting in my studio. You know? that, that's one, um, you know, Esteban Orial? Yes, the and, photographer, and yeah. When I, was, when I was talking to him one time when he still had his shop on 6th Street, he was telling me, too, that, nah, man, nobody wants to pay no more. Yeah. You know, they want free shit. Mm-hmm. They, they want other jobs to be to be done for free. They want free photoshops. And mm-hmm. um, I think that was when he he, he was working on that um, Robert De Niro movie. Okay. For that movie he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's very competitive. But, uh, yeah, that's why you got to keep it. Experimenting now. What's what's what do you got? What's new? Yeah, right? yeah. What you ever been? A, you ever done a show, f- uh, a painting for somebody and they didn't pay you? No, I keep them. 
I don't give a shit. Yeah, no, never that. I think. Uh, How you gonna it, tear down a building? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's important to get paid first, right? And then just just to initiate that. The, See, it's different in comedy. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say a, we're dumb. You we're <laughs> Dustin, you ever done a gig, bro, where it was good and you didn't get paid and you get mad? It's fucked up. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> or it's like less pay and it, it could be like twenty bucks off. And it's like, man, I know you got this twenty dollars. Like, what are you trying to do? You trying to just skim a little <laughs> off the top? What's going on, man? Shit, I've taken promoters to the fucking ATM round. Oh, I followed a dude one time because he told me, he's like, oh, man, so I'll meet you tomorrow. I'll give you the check. I'm like, well, let's just go now. <laughs> it, was, it was in South Texas. He's like, what, you don't trust me? I'm like, no, I, I trust don't. you. I just want to get it tonight. Come on. I'm getting paid short in money, and the guy wrote a check, and he predated it to next year. Oh, God. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> That's why I don't sign contracts stone no more. Oh yeah, man. but fool. just wait, man. Two thousand seventeen. I was like, he was rolling a weed on this side, and the other guy was on that side. Then I got the money. Okay, the money was short too, but um, the check. I was. It was like December, right? December of two thousand twelve, right? When I did the gig was in December. This motherfucker wrote the check for January of two thousand fifteen. Two thousand thirteen. So I couldn't catch my check till next year. That's I had crap, to go man. through a whole week of festivities. New Year's Eve, Christmas, and then get my check June 7th. January 7th. <laughs> I was at the Funny Bone Shreveport. It doesn't even exist anymore, I don't think. But when I first worked there, I featured. And the guy paid me like 400 at the end of the week. And I was like, oh, hey, man, I, that was 500 And he's like, huh, can't blame me for trying. And I'm like, oh, you dick, man. Oh! And I was like 18 or 17. Like, I was a kid just trying to, like, do some comedy. And like, can't blame me for trying. I'm like, what a dick, man. <laughs> he was all happy about it, too. Like, oh, we're buddies. Like, Can what? you work with me? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, dick. How about you, man? You got a lot of friends, homies that go, hey, man, do me a little art for me, homie. Oh, all the time, man. And I, and I do make it happen, you know. It all depends on who it is, you know. But there is some people I, I did. That I know that at times cannot afford one of those fancy paintings that are expensive, but I still go out of my way to show them the homie love, you know, because I know that it's the art is just the symbolism, but what it's going to do for them and who they're going to give that gift to is what's important to me. And so sometimes mm-hmm. you got to sacrifice and give a little bit of self. And, you know, I do. I, I make I bring smiles, you know. How about, um? come on, Fabian, let's collaborate, homie, on a shirt. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Start merchandising. You mean you get that from somebody? Yeah, my brother. Actually, Darío. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that was easy because he's my brother. So we yeah. keep it in the family. ¿Me entiendes? So my brother's yeah. taking off with my clothing line too. You know, what's your clothing line? It's a. Uh, it's called Ill, Ill Kids. Street. Oh, Ill Kids. That's my brother. Um, but then your Fabian. cousin's son was wearing that. Yeah. I didn't know that was you. Yeah, that was my brother's uh, clothing line. I thought it was line. a skating line. No, no, Ill Kid Streetwear. That's my brother's, and um, but I give him all my arte so to enhance his abilities, you know. So, yeah, keep it in the family. Could have awesome. me a hat. You did? No, I have to get me a hat. Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ran into your brother. I didn't know who he was, man. I was doing a show at the for the night for the Dia de los Muertos, Day of the Dead, at um, Bobby Deer Park. Okay, yeah. Your brother was rapping on that show. And I said, oh, man. You came up to me all happy. And, oh, man, I've seen you since you were little. I don't know who you are. But I know he, I know he said his name. Oh, shit, you grown, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got your grown man. You got tattoos and shit. Oh, that's weird whenever you see a little kid and then they turn to a man. You're like, what? Oh, man, I haven't been here in like two years. <laughs> Shut up. 
Hell yeah, man. I, I, I had to leave, bro. I had to leave. And you know, what was the last time you went to Piscan? Oh, man. Oh, shit. A long ass time ago, <laughs> bro. Pool. Piscan. What's Piscan? Piscan is a swimming pool, bro, in the neighborhood, bro. We grew oh, up at. Oh, we used to just, We used to go there after that shit closed. Because there used to be this guy from East LA, the, the Cortez brothers. And they used to have boat cutters. Yeah. Hector Cortez, Aldo Cortez, Robert Cortez, and the sister. They're, they're crazy, bro. There was a, I don't want to bag on them, but those are like shadows of the other side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you go swimming? Tell our audience about swimming at Pecan Pool at night, which was piss can because of La P in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we jumped the gates. It was easy. Jumped the gates until the little gremlins used to come, the little green uh Park Rangers, remember yeah. the little ramflitas they had? Yeah, little they, gremlins. Yeah, they were old school little cars trying to get us out of there. But yeah, of course, I live right across the street from Pecan, so it was easy for me to skip and hop into the pool. Yeah, I did that a couple of times. Yeah, I remember. I remember in the projects, man. Like I was, I was like, it's like you become a, a, a you, 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 either gonna have a, a bachelor, a master's, or a doctrine on street mentality. And everybody who who had a doctor's degree and street mentality they always the people that stood out the longest at night like they'll tell you stuff like oh man the cops are gonna come now nah, homie go back inside and go back outside at three three o'clock in the morning because the housing gets off at two yeah they <laughs> have the schedule yeah. <laughs> or it takes it takes about seven minutes from the hollenbeck police station to come down to the project so you got about a seven minute window <laughs> unless the helicopter's there before you yeah they got schedules down man Crazy. It's crazy, man. Yeah. Like you knew, we knew exactly when the helicopter was gonna get there, what time the police gets off, how long it takes for it to get a call, and we knew if there was a cop on the other side, he's gonna be detained. So that yeah. would take ten minutes. We got ten minutes to get this fucked up ass car out of here. <laughs> or at the same time we also knew who was on who was on watch at the time. So we used to say, Oh no, today's Monday, Tuesday. Oh no, she's not on, on watch today, dog. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's so what cop was yeah. uh, on watch and what yeah. wasn't. And That's you know crazy. which one were cool, which one were lame. <laughs> yeah. Like, which which one would just brush off? Oh man, dude, were you there? This is the last time that I really like I was already clean. I was already clean. But I went to go hang out in the projects because I was staying at home. I don't know why I was at home that night. And I went outside and there was a fucking block party. Oh yeah. Over there on the other on the second by where George Wallow used to live. At the Oh yeah, in, in Pico side. It was a big block party full big. There was gangs from everywhere. Yes, Temple right. Street. Everyone came down. Yeah. Everyone came down. And there was LAPDs walking. Put it this way, man, the LAPD needed escort in this party. Oh, they had two guys walking them around. I remember the cop said, "Though I walk to the shadow of death," <laughs> <laughs> that's what the cop said when he was being led by one of the homies. And he said that was his last word when he walked into the circle. Though I walk to the shadow of death, damn. I don't know if you were there. Yes, I okay. Re I was remember there, man. I was there, man, and I had to leave because shit got crazy. Somebody's girlfriend showed up. And his girl and this guy got so mad. His girlfriend showed up. He fucking dumped her her whole head in the mud. <laughs> he dunked her head in the mud. And I was like, oh shit! He did this motherfucker did this shit in front of the cops. 
Damn. And I said, I'm out of here, man. This kid's grown. <laughs> <laughs> Were you there when that happened? There was a lot of things. I don't remember that part, but I do remember the police, um, sort of like the security guards of the party. Yes. That was a trip, man. That was a first They had a fucking ever. DJ, bro. Yeah, yeah, and there DJ. was people flashing colors. There was a Temple Street gangster there, all these other fools from another gang, and they were all dancing, having a good time. And I, yeah, man. I, and I realized that I was the only one there with long hair. Oh, man. You should have said something. You should have grabbed the mic and been like, hey, guys, we're all here hanging out. Why can't we do this every day? <laughs> yeah, why can't we? Was that, was that a, peace, a peace treaty or what's going on? Yeah, I think it, I, I, maybe it was, or I think it was just uh, uh, gangs that would get along that were invited to this party. Not everyone was welcome. Oh, there was some, <laughs> some gang of like. Yeah, no, there was yeah. no one up on the other side there. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. A lot of chicks, too. Yeah. Back then, bro. Show a lot chicks. Back, yeah, like, back then, bro. It was like it was in to date somebody from the projects. Now, before it wasn't. <laughs> that was sad, man. Back then, like I was trying to clean up and shit, and then I have girls drop me off, and ten motherfuckers will run to the car. Oh, it's just <laughs> Batman. <laughs> I actually get dropped off on fucking Fort and Boyle. <laughs> I had to that. run down. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know how sad that was to date people back then? I was, yeah. This chick would drop me off at Fourth and Boyle. Are you going to be safe now? I'm just going to run down. <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to get fucking chased by Third Street or somebody over here. That's yeah. frightening, man. I've run through places before. In Pacoima, I had to go from the grandma's house to his house. <laughs> I had to go like four blocks. And I did get messed with. Me- I knew it. Because I in Pacoima, I was always... I just looked like... If there's a group of dudes gangbang and they see me, they're like, oh, look at this. Hey, Jack Black Jr., what are you doing? <laughs> fuck was, you, Stoner. Yeah, hey, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, <laughs> I, was, I was walking and there's these dudes in this alley. They're like, hey, what's up, fucker? And I just took off running. I ran, dude. <laughs> and I just ran all the way to this dude's house, man. <laughs> it was so frightening. And all he wanted was a light. No, I, <laughs> I got it's a it's so stupid. I got in a fight with another roommate with my roommate. I was like, I'm going to my buddy's house. <laughs> so dumb, dude. Yeah, man. What's up, fool? Fabian Devora right here, chilling like a villain. Yeah, man. He's got yeah. an awesome story. Past. You're like yeah. a superhero. You yeah. could have been a super villain, but you became a hero, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man, you I'm survived, best. man. You have your you have your own survival story. You have a documentary out, don't you? A what? You have yeah, a documentary? Yeah, a little 20-minute short film documentary. And right now, I'm currently, the truth is, I'm currently writing a proposal so that I can once and for all be able to write my book. And this book's going to capture those stories from the immigration aspect from El, from Zacatecas to Juarez to El Paso, Texas, and into the Los Angeles. And what it was like to grow up in the housing projects in the 80s, doing the race wars, violence, and all that. And it's going to give you a glimpse and a window of what I what my upbringing was like through the eyes of Fabian Devora. Yeah. Okay. What have you started like in this like at this moment in time too? Like Felipe could ask. So tell us your story, and you're like. <laughs> Well, and then into the book, chapter one, yeah. you know, and then it ends coming back and we're like, whoa, dude. And I'm going to talk about the time when I ran out in the projects with my little Superman Tarantarans. That would be part of the book, too. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, man, um, I don't know nothing what was going on. I didn't know what was going on until I started watching Gangland. And because and, um, I was already out of the seat, I was trying to be a comedian. And um, I remember I saw Dalroy. Delroy Lewinson, 
this is black Jamaican guy, which back then, bro, everybody was just black. I didn't know he was Jamaican till later on. And um, he told me, man, I got jumped, homie. He goes, what happened, man? I was just sitting on my porch, fucking Javi and these fools show up. They jumped my ass. <laughs> I and I didn't know what was going on. What? Yeah, man. Because it was like crazy, man. Like Just a random jumping? Random jumping, bro. Oh, that would suck to get randomly <laughs> I, thought, I don't think you could be black and sell dope anymore in East LA or Boyle Heights. I think those times were done. Oh, mm-hmm. man. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. They pretty much. A lot of them back out. Yeah. It was pretty rough. The they, got moved, they got pushed to Lancaster. <laughs> man. Race yeah. wars. So what's up, food man? So me and Dustin Ibarra are still working on that show. Yeah, and, and we're getting, dude. Fit, that was a good meeting, that bro. Was a good meeting, that was man. really good. I hear that now we're gonna, they're going to set us up with a director now. Oh, for real? Yeah, to That's throw awesome. to, to sell the story even better. Yeah. Hopefully, next time, next meeting we we'll have a, someone to throw in a set. I know, right? Can we just hey, do we that? We have a director, we have a true showrunner, we have two comedian actors. We have a place to shoot it. Just give us the money. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're like fucking, um, we're like the regular show, you and I, man, like the squirrel. Like, what's the name? Mordecai and Rigby. Uh, give us yeah. a show. <laughs> yeah. What is that show? I love that show, man. The regular show. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more like muscle, man. Your mom! <laughs> So, man, so happy to to have you finally in our show, Fabian. We've been trying to get you for a long-ass time. Thank you. I've been following your career on Instagram and Facebook for the longest time. Cool. I'm very proud of you, and you made something. You always had it in you, Mm -hmm. and you share it with you. You're you're like, you know, like, you're like the, when people say that, oh, man, he gives back to the community, you're the guy who gives back to the community. A lot of people just show up and donate money. And you don't see the motherfuckers ever again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, when we were, uh, before we go, man, when we were little kids. We were going to Second Street. Were you going to Second Street when um, I think his name was Mr. Luna used to show up and teach us FX about ca- used to teach us FX at, at Second Street. Mr. Luna, no, I don't. Know. I don't know his name, but there used to be a guy from the movies that used to go to our school and teach us about special effects. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I must have dropped I only, that. I only, cool. I only met Mr. Uh, McGruff. McGruff. The, the, the dare dog. I didn't listen. Yeah. You can't listen to a dog in a trench coat. <laughs> I know, man. I thought, the, I thought he was a, a, one of the guy, a pervert. Yeah. yeah. Come here, I'm McGruff. Let me so show you. So what's up, fool? Follow Fabian. Uh, what's your face? Instagram, you can follow you. Yeah, just Fabian Debora. I got my own website, FabianDebora.com. Com, and then everything's Fabian Debora, F-A-B-I-A-N-D-E-B-O-R-A. And just Google that, and it'll lead you to all my social media sites. What's up, fool? Check out FelipesWorld.com. Go to my webpage, and then go through our little window and do all your shopping through our Amazon page. What you got? I have me on all that social media stuff. Dustin underscore Ivara with a Y. Or Ibera. Also, check out the, the, the What's Up Food podcast on All Things Comedy Network. Check out all their podcasts, All Things Comedy. Or you can watch it live on YouTube.com right now. What's up, fool? See you guys next week.